0: Blurred Up, Blurred Up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. Of course, we are on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We are on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. And we are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. Check us out on Blurred.com. They've uh, they've really expanded their content lately. Mm-hmm. I saw some really cool writers about black cosplayers. If you are a black cosplayer, reach out to them. They also have some cool merch on sale right now. Uh, my favorite are the the blurred comic <laughs> leggings, mm-hmm. and there's they have a cool partnership. They're they're having um, these famous anime characters like Goku and Naruto and uh, Luffy.
1: And Sailor Moon. Yeah, right. And
0: mm-hmm. this blurred style on their clothes, so yeah, it's really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing how that how that comes out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check them out. We are here to talk about this week's episode of Watchmen, titled this extraordinary being, which deals with blackwashing as opposed to whitewashing. The show also deals with transgenerational trauma. We'll go into full spoilers on the show, so if you haven't watched this episode yet, come back later. If you have seen it, let's do it. There's a lot to dissect. I should probably also introduce my co-host
1: why bother gosh i mean geez i'm just here
0: oh no no <laughs> how you doing
1: i'm all right hello everybody
0: yeah we had quite a talk off the mic yeah here. we
1: did life is interesting isn't life it? is
0: life is man entering a new decade
1: it is yeah we got a month left there's and a lot
0: of changes yeah for us
1: changes are coming energy is moving
0: yeah all right okay Y'all can DM, DM us for, the, for those deets later. Yeah, don't you DM want. me. Or DM don't. Brendan. No, no, no. Actually, I'm good, too. Mm-hmm. Cancel
1: that. Cancel <laughs> yeah, all why that, Why would actually. you say that? I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> Let's get to Watchmen. <laughs> Move on. Oh, Let's my get, God. I'm sorry. Let's
0: get to Watchmen. <laughs> so, first of all, this is by far the most intricately put together episode to date, and for my money, the best episode to date.
1: It was definitely the most shocking. I was not expecting it to go in this direction at all.
0: Yeah. They they really set up the dominoes from the first episode, and they're starting to let them fall just mm-hmm. beautifully. And as you said, just not what you expect. At all. But what you surprisingly didn't know that you needed.
1: I don't know if I needed it exactly. Okay. But it definitely, yeah, I mean, it, it got my attention. Yeah. <laughs> it really got my attention.
0: I think... One thing that was refreshing about this episode is that it doesn't follow the formula we were starting to get used to. Yeah, here's some random first scene introduces a character or something, and then here's a little drama, and then here's crazy Adrian Veidt at the end, and then and we're done. Right. Yeah. You know,
1: Veidt didn't even show up in this episode. No.
0: Yeah. You know, we're we're still following one character, like the last episode was about. Mm. Uh, I forgot his name. Looking Glass. What was his?
1: Uh, Looking Glass's government name, I don't remember. But right. yeah, Looking Glass. We know who you're talking yes,
0: about. Yes, yes. We're still following one character, but this time it's done through mm-hmm. another character, Angela.
1: Yeah, really creatively done. Really yeah. good plotting in this episode.
0: Absolutely. Not only do we learn more about Will Reeves, but Angela does at the same time. Mm-hmm. And in the process, it ties so much together of the whole Watchmen universe. Right. between the time of his memories and the present.
1: But does it, though? Yeah, it, it raises a lot of questions, too, yeah. doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it just made for a extremely powerful television. Uh, I'm going to reference a Huffington Post article later on the show, but it called it the best hour of TV this year.
1: That I could definitely agree with. When you look at all the artistry that went into it and just how... Unique of a story they told. I don't think I've ever seen this kind of story on TV before. I never have seen this issue or many of the issues that were addressed in this episode. I've never seen them on TV. I did find myself thinking about 30 minutes in. Well, okay, who is this for? Because we're black and we already know this. So is it for us or is this to explain this to people who don't know that this particular aspect of our history and culture and our cultural psyche But then I decided it didn't matter because I was still enjoying it. So, yeah.
0: Well, if you look at a show like Dear White People, Mm -hmm. I think that's a show where it's like these obvious talk about Black Lives Matter and Mm -hmm. these very kind of broad strokes. Yeah. I don't think that show is for us.
1: It's not. It really isn't. I can't get into it for that reason. I'm like, I know. Why are you telling me?
0: (laughs) Or for some of my queer friends. Mm -hmm. There's some praise for that show, Pose, Yeah, but there's also some criticism that it also kind of...
1: Yeah, it's not It's not for
0: them. It's for non-queer folks to kind of...
1: To learn the history and learn a little the bit, culture exactly. a little bit. But I mean, a broad there's, introduction. There's very affirming things about both Pose and Dear White People, mm-hmm. but ultimately the storylines and the messages contained are things that if you are in those cultures, you already know. Or right. Or if you're familiar even with those cultures, you already know. Continue your point, though.
0: Yeah, I just... When I when I look at Dear White People and what the Watchmen creators have done mm-hmm. with this episode specifically, mm-hmm. I mean the whole series really, mm-hmm. but with this episode specifically, I definitely feel like this is for us too.
1: Mm. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. I, because
0: even I'm sorry, mm-hmm. even though we know what has happened to our people in the past and know what happens to us now, there are still times that we do need to be reminded, and the way that they have illustrated small microaggressions to just unimaginable violence, it is something that we need to be reminded of sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is stuff that we already, like I said, I couldn't really decide who it was for. I decided it didn't matter ultimately Mm. because I was enjoying it enough to where I wasn't really thinking about it. I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but appreciating enough. sure, Appreciating it enough to not really be thinking about it on that kind of meta in that kind of meta way at the minute. But, I mean, it can be both at the same time. Sure. I think the way that they explored a lot of the issues in this show were both illustrative and instructional, but also, again, affirming. Like it was, okay, see, this is something that we know, but this has never been explored in a TV show before. Right. So this is nice to see. Somebody gets it. We are showing this to the world. This is a part of our culture, a painful part, but an important part.
0: And also just amazing that a white man is crafting these narratives.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm wonder- I'm sure he has help. I'm <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: But at the end of the day, he is the showrunner. He true. can he gives the okay on all these things. And
1: he's deciding, yeah, this is And true. he helped
0: write it, so. Yeah. yeah.
1: I just I really don't know where this is going next. You know, here's the thing. We're talking all around the plot and everything because we're trying not to spoil it. No, no. Yeah. I already okay. I already
0: already said that we could.
1: Oh, okay, good cuz never mind. Moving on.
0: Yeah, let's get okay. to let's get to good. it. Mhm. Usually in the first scene, there's kind of an, I've always talked about this kind of unraveling of like a a mural. Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes it doesn't connect with the following scene. It Mm -hmm. plants seeds for later Mm -hmm. while establishing character. Mm -hmm. The first scene was with Hooded Justice. Mm -hmm. And to an extent, you kind of get a little bit more about his character. Mm -hmm. But it really does. But it's the way that this scene was painted. It's different from the introduction of Lady True for example. Very much so. Or looking glass from the previous episode.
1: Very much so. And also this is the mythical Hooded Justice. Right. And that's a very important distinction. And they've, this is very clever, I think, because he's been, I've been wondering this whole time, why are they showing us these clips of Hooded Justice in this TV show that's on TV in the Watchmen universe this whole time? I've actually said on a previous episode, I don't see why this is here. It feels like filler, like the the pirate storyline in the book. Exactly. Um, and there's a very real reason why they've been showing this to us this whole time. It's been priming our mind for this episode. Yes. And it's very cleverly done. Um Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I don't know where they're going to go next with this because th- this, this episode was really a game changer. This show's been blowing my hair back pretty consistently, but this episode was at the same height as the first episode, the premiere. Yes. In that I was just not expecting anything here. And... I just don't know what's going to happen next, but I really want to see what does.
0: Well, for me, I still think this is the best episode because with episode one, you don't expect anything and you're like, wow. Mm -hmm. So we already kind of expect greatness and they Mm -hmm. went even beyond that.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Let's get into it. Okay. Some more. Sure. I just want to go kind of beat by beat this episode and just kind of just explore the themes and the the craft. Sure. We're taken to Angela ingesting the pills, and things start to just disintegrate around her. I love the transition of Angela being in the present and the past. Mm -hmm. She's talking to Agent Blake, and all of a sudden behind her is the piano playing. On her left, there's a drummer. And I love the way they used color in this episode.
1: Yes, that was amazing. And I liked how it illustrated both the present and the past. Right. That was really an interesting choice. I think it speaks a lot to the way that... um, just culturally, I feel like black people were time travelers, aren't we? We kind of tend to live in both the pa- the pain of the past and the hope of the future, all at the same time. Or anxiety really, of the future. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And it very much that that was a really clever tool to illustrate that. The I feel like just interacting with people from different cultures? I really feel like we have a Really unique connection to our past because it has really shaped our entire culture in a very immediate way yeah. where but a certain part of our past the the pain the, the the struggle bit of our past is what is defined is unfortunately what has defined a lot of our present day culture now, and it's hard to reconcile that because we clearly we all have ancestry before that, but we don't know it sure, so it's just interesting, I feel like we are all still. There's a lot of talk about things like post traumatic slave disorder um, and just sort of the, the psychological effect that that has had on us as a people. And I feel like that color, the usage of color, showing how the past is still very much affecting the present. I thought it was interesting. There were times when Blake's face would come into the frame in kind of color and she'd been, well, sort of flickers of color, and she'd be saying something very helpful and very caring, but because she wants something from Angela, ultimately. And then that would be juxtaposed with a shot, a reminiscence of the Tulsa massacre with those same flickers of color. There's just this really interesting dichotomy yeah. in Black American culture. And even though this is a fictional version of it, clearly, with red Asians and everything, but it's still that same sort of thing that is being illustrated, and I really liked that.
0: Yeah, we get to Angela getting... her Her first entry into mm-hmm. his memory is... Being graduating from the academy or joining Mm -hmm. the police force, and when she's first there, she's in color,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and then she slowly gets decolorized because she's fully a part of this world now.
1: Right, and I loved how they flicked back and forth when she would show back up in critical points, and it was such a good reference because that's when you realize this is the thing that Angela is really taking away from. Right. Yeah.
0: It's mm-hmm. not just us learning; exactly. she's also exactly. learning. She's mm-hmm. not just learning, but she's experiencing exactly the joy and the horror mm-hmm. and the rage. Mm-hmm. You know, it cuts to the the chief giving the speech, and you look back, and she's looking at the chief. But then it cuts back to her, and it's the grandfather now. It's Will Reeves, mm-hmm. and this is where I first felt the dread. Mm-hmm. Is you see the white officer in the distance putting badges on everyone, and you're like. Don't tell me he's going to skip over him. Yeah,
1: because if you're black and you have a grandparent, you know what's coming. You already Mm -hmm. know. If you have a parent. Yeah. If you have black relatives who are older than you, you know what's coming. And you know the show is going to go there, but you just, you have that dread. You're right.
0: And there it is. And then the black guy there is, we didn't know, but it was his inspiration for joining the force. Mm -hmm. Will Reese is still, you know, even from his watching the movie in Tulsa, Mm -hmm. He still respects the law, trust in the law. That's the name of that Bass Reeves film. Yep. He still is holding on Mm -hmm. to that. Even though he's experienced so much already, he's still holding on. And he gets pinned. I mean, sure, actually, for him, it was probably a bigger honor to be pinned Mm -hmm. by that black guy Mm -hmm. who other black people see as an Uncle Tom for joining the force.
1: Yeah. And saying what was interesting was he said to him that he was his inspiration. Right. And the guy apologizes to him for it. Yeah. It's just, you know... That's another hallmark of black American culture. With great accomplishment also comes great bitterness. You've got to sacrifice so much. Right. And some of that includes, And in, you know, I think that can lend itself to a certain kind of wariness when it comes to people who say that they look up to you. Like, you really don't want to do that. <laughs>
0: you know? what was that Chance song from a couple years ago? Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't, don't chase me? Or
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember the song. Yeah, I, but I know song. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. was a,
0: a hit hard. Mm-hmm. And even you saw at the very end when, his son wants to become him, and he mm-hmm. gets that, don't be like me.
1: Yeah, well, Yeah, well, when we well, get there, we'll, we'll talk we'll, we'll more about there. that, too. Okay.
0: But yeah, you, know, you, you cut to the club mm-hmm. with June. I think that was the reporter's name, June, if I'm not mistaken. The, the black woman.
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't remember.
0: I like how they were talking. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it, it cuts back to Angela at important times, mm-hmm. and she says, I'm not angry.
1: You're talking about his wife, right?
0: Future wife, yeah. Yeah. Okay. At the time, yeah. they were just kind of. But I
1: mean, it's interesting you called her the reporter because I only ever think as you're right, she was a reporter, but that detail kind of escaped me because I, I the whole time I was like, oh, that's the baby.
0: Oh, you thought that the whole time? Yeah. See, I didn't. I didn't think about that until yeah, I did. it was revealed. Yeah, I
1: feel like it must have been. You know, like I just thought, oh, that's the baby they grew up. Like I don't know. I I immediately twigged onto that. Mm. Mm. Okay. okay. Anyway.
0: <laughs> um, and I'll get to the kind of things that got that kind of got me caught up in the drama, but mm-hmm. that's one of them. mm Hmm. I think her saying, I'm not angry, further instills in us that she's not really controlling. It's not like a lucid dream where she can kind of walk around and explore these memories. This is mm-hmm. just a set. This is happening. Yeah. And you're going to say everything that your grandfather said and feel everything that he felt, right. experience everything that he felt.
1: Right. That concept of this, this this drug is just really interesting, isn't it? Like yeah. Just the idea of living through someone else's memories is so fascinating. Like, yeah. again, it's that it's a another trope and i'm not saying that we're the only culture in the world with a connection to our past that's clearly not true of course not um i'm just saying that it i don't think that that's recognized how much it has shaped us how much the immediate past has shaped us people still love to say things like oh slavery was so long ago yeah my grandmother's grandfather not that long so it was interesting to just see that that illustrated in this way i don't want to beat a dead horse and say it again but i think it's really important Mm
0: -hmm. and here's where the color thing kicks in again. When Angela was in 2019, tripping on the drugs, mm-hmm. she saw the drummer on her left, and she saw her grand her grandmother, mm-hmm. essentially, no, her great grandmother, Will Reeves' mother, playing the piano. Yes, in black and white, mm-hmm. and she was in color. Mm-hmm. But now that she's in black and white, it's all the flipped. things that are out of time are in color. Yeah. So you have while Will's walking the beat, his mother is playing piano in color mm-hmm. on the street. So so it still illustrates that memory haunts him mm-hmm. as he's walking around of course because he's in a law uniform yeah. trust in the law and that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the soundtrack maybe that's a you know instead of having like earphones or mm-hmm. you're in the car blasting your tunes as a cop this is your tune
1: your bad memories yeah just the haunting of that memory mm-hmm. it's
0: your soundtrack yeah to being a police officer that's
1: and that's your, that's your motivation for being a police officer. How heavy is that, really? I yes. mean, like, there's just so much going on in this episode. It's, it was a really emotionally impactful episode. And the more I think about it, the more I just feel like, wow, that was a lot. <laughs> like, that's exactly what I texted you after I watched it. Just, wow, what was that? That was a lot.
0: Yeah. I thought it was really awesome that they linked the first issue of Superman to Will Reeves being put... Into that carriage to leave Tulsa as it was being destroyed.
1: Yes. And I feel like, oh, I called it because I said in the very first time, in the very first Blurred Up episode where we talked about Watchmen, he's like Black Panther for, you know, the ages. I didn't think that Will Reeves would become who he becomes, but I was, I did pick up on the whole black superhero thing and the fact that in the Watchmen we don't have a black superhero, but maybe we do. So I was, I was very proud of myself. I never call stuff like that in TV shows and I called it ha. sort of high five yourself I'd high five but I don't
0: want to like you know hurt the mics here and our our friends ears our (laughs) listeners ears more color Uh, the cops you know they offer Reeves a ride and then when they drive off there's bodies being pulled behind their car in color you know again he's still being haunted by Mm -hmm. these memories and we got to about that hanging scene
1: yes can I just quickly can we give props to that actor do you know where we've seen him before the actor who plays Will Reeves no Fences he's the son in Fences
0: Okay, yes. okay. So he's
1: definitely got some very uh, high class Broadway style acting chops, and he really he just does a, such a good job of playing somebody who is eaten up by this seething internal rage that only lets itself out in moments that I mean, you really just it's rare that you can see somebody who can portray that kind of interiority in a character and he really does a very good job with it And in that hanging scene he starts to really cuz before then he's he's kind of a weirdly low-key person much like his granddaughter later on right who only really lets out what he who only really shows i think what he's feeling at key moments and this is very much one of those key moments
0: right i think you you talked about how he how he stays low-key but he has this rage mm-hmm. but obviously he has some sort of hope mm-hmm. that he can still bring about change working within the boundaries of of the law.
1: Yeah, he's angry, but he's not bitter. Yeah. Which I think is a really interesting choice for that character. Because I think the tendency is often to, to to confuse black anger with black bitterness. And I think very few of us are bitter, but a lot of us are still angry. Sure. And I think that that, again, just so many
0: layers. I thought it was fascinating how they, they hung him up. But when he got put back... Oh, first, I want to talk about the music, right? The music, how... I mean, just the whole music throughout this whole yeah, episode was some... amazing. It was almost a character in itself. Yeah,
1: there were some choices.
0: <laughs> but as he's getting hung, that music starts to distort. And once, he, once he's cut down, it shows Angela's face. Yeah,
1: so she's feeling that. Like, can you imagine the horror? You know, you are however many generations removed from the fear of lynching. I mean, I don't know... I hear people describe stuff. I go back and I listen to old slave narratives. I read old books, you know, all of the... As I'm... The book blurred. But, I mean, you know, I read all of these things and hear all of these things and you kind of get this second-hand empathy for the horrors of living under that kind of fear of lynching, of racial terror. And we have a version of that now with over-policing and just uh, MAGA country. Although we personally don't have that because of where we live right now. Sure. Um, But it's just... That really, could you imagine being taken back in time to that? There's another movie coming out soon with Janelle Monáe. Have you seen right, the trailers right, for this? Right. I can't remember the name of the movie right now. Antebellum. Antebellum, yes. Antebellum. Antebellum. Antebellum, yes. Antebellum. And it looks very much like a book called Kindred by Octavia Butler, mm-hmm. which was written in the 70s. I don't know if you've heard of it. You know me, no. Oh, okay. I'm, <laughs> I, well, if you haven't heard of it, I will also explain it briefly for our audience. Please. Kindred is a science fiction book, but it's also very much a social horror book. It was written by Octavia Butler, who is the grand dame of science fiction. She is also one of the few, the proud, the black women who write sci-fi. Okay, she's brilliant. People love to talk about 1984 as a parable for our time. 1984 is trash for our time. In my opinion, 1984 at a very specific time it applies to, it's not now. But Octavia Butler wrote the parables. That's literally now. She literally in the early 90s, wrote about America being taken over by a dictator whose slogan is, Make America Great Again. Not joking. Anyway, Kindred is her first book. She wrote it in the 70s. And Kindred deals very much with, well, the plot of Kindred, this woman who's a writer, who's, you know, a young black woman. She's a writer. She's married to this much older white man. They're very progressive, very socially active and engaged. And all of a sudden, this woman begins to travel back through time. And take the place of her, well, not take the place, but live in the same time and on the same plantation as her great great grandmother as a slave. So she's being transported from this very pan African, racially progressive 70s, at the time it mm-hmm. was, the 1970s in California to slavery. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of bouncing back and forth. And it's terrifying because, yeah. you know, one day she's in her house with her white husband writing a book. And then the next day she's being threatened with, you know, having her hand chopped off or something, you know. And it it's that same sense of horror that you find in a book like Kindred that is in this episode because yes. Angela is feeling this hanging. Yes. Like it's, it's crazy. I just don't know how. I don't know how. OK. Maybe, you know, who wrote this episode?
0: Again, uh, was it? Daniel So Lindelof Lindelof wrote this? He co-wrote it. I forgot who else did it with him. Okay. He definitely helped write this episode.
1: Because I just wonder, how did he know? (laughs) You know? Like, how did he... I mean, that's some serious empathy on display. I'm very impressed. Yes. Because where would... Yeah, I... Because that really got me.
0: I think Mm -hmm. the other layer that's important is when we generally talk about slavery and violence, Mm -hmm. it's generally looked at Only males got it, right? Mm -hmm. But to have Angela, to cut back to Angela and see the horror on her face, Mm -hmm. it, I mean, obviously it didn't happen to Angela, but Mm -hmm. we often ignore that that same violence that happened to men happened to women too.
1: Mm, Interesting point, yes. You know, Mm -hmm.
0: and they, you know, also with sexual assault, Mm -hmm. I I hate the R word, but sexual Mm -hmm. assault, they had it worse.
1: yeah. Yeah, and also I think there's a clear point about empathy there as well. I mean, this is suffering on... B- black male suffering is black female suffering. Black female suffering was black male suffering. Maybe not so much. Now, I don't know. It, it gets complicated. The internet will have you believing anything. But um, very much, so th- it was a community suffering. It was not just sure. black men were suffering, black women were suffering. Everyone was suffering. Communities right. were suffering. Right. You gonna get to see both sides of that.
0: So, yeah, so now... We got Reese putting on a hood, becoming a vigilante for the first time.
1: Yeah. Okay. So quick shout out to one of our listeners, uh, Eric. You called this. I don't know how you did it. Also, again, I'm shocked because, Eric, you know who I'm talking to. You're white. And you called this, and I don't know how you did it. Hit me, in the, hit me in the message. Actually, DM me, sir, because I want to know how you figured this out. One of our listeners messaged me a while ago and figured that this was what had happened, figured out that... Will Reeves was Hooded Justice. I don't know how he picked that up because I was like, of course he's not Hooded Justice. There's no way. He's in The Watchman and he's a completely different character. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he called it, but he did. And I want to know how. Message me. You hear me. Message me, sir. Anyway, moving okay. on.
0: <laughs> you heard it, Eric. Yeah. I, it's interesting that he didn't take off the news.
1: Mm, but that's such a good point of um, such a good point illustrative point though I think oh, it's it great that he didn't take off the noose and of course he didn't take off the noose because I mean they're still playing with a character who was created for Watchmen who always had the noose so
0: no you're right mm-hmm. I guess for me if I'm going to try not to be detected mm-hmm. if I was just a guy in a hood just mm-hmm. beating people up mm-hmm. that's one thing but if I have a noose and the people who I assaulted or mm-hmm. I saved said oh we saw this guy
1: right yeah with a
0: hood yeah. and a noose on."
1: right maybe but who, there's two things our, there mm-hmm. nobody else was doing he was the, literally the, the first, first. Of course, yeah okay of so course. It, this the thought of somebody in a hood noose or not beating people who were criminals up is so shocking that i'm sure people weren't really noticing the details like that
0: of course i'm i mean i'm not yeah. i'm not mm-hmm. it's not a nitpick to me mm-hmm. i'm just yeah, saying of course. like
1: and also there's an interesting point, which I'm sure we're going to dissect more later. Everybody thought he, by default, the default person, especially in those times, is a white person. Of course. It never occurred to anybody he could be black. The noose was meant, the noose had other implications in the the white psyche. Sex stuff. So, uh, we'll get there, too. Okay. Yeah, everybody
0: get there right now. <laughs> yes, really. okay.
1: Moving on. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, he goes home and now he's like, okay, I'm angry. Mm-hmm. Just whenever you see June, it's that, you know trust black women thing just popped in the brain And I constantly
1: this show always gives you what you don't expect and she was this show always gives you what you don't expect. And she was a very I loved how her character was just always kinda dodging just out of the frame of what you were expecting her to be. Mm -hmm. She wasn't, you know, that trope. She wasn't his mama. She wasn't his his plaything she wasn't a toy she was just she was very much her own person, even yeah. though she had her own he was who had a brief part so I really enjoyed that um absolutely, yeah, and you're right. she kind of you trust black women because we're people <laughs> that was very much her thing yeah
0: so did will name give his last name Reese because of the hero because
1: If you look at the the information on IMDb, I think it's spelled differently. But even so, maybe. Okay. I don't know. I didn't think about it.
0: So, yeah. So, he he cut to him finally perfecting his costume with his wife. Mm -hmm. He has makeup around his eyes just like Angela. Mm -hmm. But hers is pitch black and his is white. Both protect them but for different reasons.
1: Yeah. Really visually clever.
0: Absolutely. You know, it was really satisfying for him to get his revenge on those assholes at the warehouse. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then once he gets to that market, he freezes like the Matrix in thin air. Mm-hmm. And this is when, again, the color comes back in. Mm-hmm. And Agent Blake comes in in color outside the market. She's It's not like they're bringing Angela back to the present in the jail. Mm-hmm. You have Blake coming into her world. And then it cuts to Angela behind the hood now. Yeah. Just, just, just brilliant! Yeah, brilliant. And filmmaking.
1: Um, uh, Regina King does a great job in embodying her grandfather. Yeah, because she very much has his body language and her man- and his mannerisms. So she's she really watched the, those actors really watched each other and really did a good job with those performances. Yeah, because there's moments when it shifts to her and it takes you a moment to realize that it has. Because her performance is that on point. She's got the same facial expressions, the same body language, but it's very much not the same body language she has as Mother Knight, et
0: cetera. So, right. Sister Knight. Yeah.
1: Sister Knight. Sorry. I always call her Mother Knight. That's horrible. Um, I just looked it up, and actually, you're right. Reeves is spelled the same way, like Reeves, but the Superman Reeves. But I don't know. I didn't really think about that. I, it's That's very um, it's very meta if they did choose to do that.
0: <laughs> I mean, he mm-hmm. may really see himself as, I'm going to be like my hero. I don't know how well he really knew his mom or dad, or like really remembers them Mm -hmm. like that. I don't know if they actually maybe coincidentally had that name. Maybe we could look it up. Maybe. But if he just arrived in Mm -hmm. town and just said,
1: "Yeah," and he talks enough about Bass Reeves that you do wonder if he's related to him in some kind of way. But and his whole life
0: has been based on trying to make a difference and but staying within the confines of the law.
1: Hmm. I don't know. It's a really interesting point. Maybe he did choose it. But if so, it's a great detail.
0: Yeah. And then we get we get to Captain Metropolis. <sighs> uh, yeah. OK, I, now
1: I, this I knew where this was going to go the minute he showed up. I thought because, again, in The Watchmen, you know that Hooded Justice and Metropolis have some kind of relationship. And I thought, oh, no, him. Right, because I thought, oh, this is Captain Metropolis. This is going to be so slimy and awful. Because you know it's going to happen, but See, it's just yeah.
0: I did to think about it. See, you know, so <laughs> okay. in, in our in game mm-hmm. uh, review, I talked about how, you know, Cap gets the hammer mm-hmm. and he's fighting, you know, he's fighting Thanos and he gets beat up. And mm-hmm. then you're so caught up in that, drama. like, oh my god, Cap really has the hammer in. oh my god, everyone's down. What's, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Cap, on your left, and I was like.
1: Oh, because you oh, were so into yeah. it. Okay. Like, I'm so
0: caught up in the drama of this episode. Right, okay. That as soon as she's like, no, and it mm-hmm. cuts to yes, and he's thrusting into Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Just.
1: Yeah. I think the minute he put on the hood and became Hooded Justice, I was my brain was just scrambling to figure out. Wait, now how's the whole mythology going to change now? Mm. And I think because I was so adamant in disagreeing with Eric, that this was that he was that he is definitely not Hooded Justice, and that's a silly idea, and uh-huh. you must be wrong. Um, I immediately was like, whoa, whoa, wait, this really is a thing. How's this going to change everything else? So mm. I was tr- like really scrambling to figure it all out. So I kind of my mind went from A to B to C to D to oh no, not him, right? Yeah. So yeah.
0: For me, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was just, I guess because I was writing notes for the show mm-hmm. and stuff, I just, I was just very present in, the, in, this, mm-hmm. in this episode. I was just, mm-hmm. what are they going to do next? But I really just wanted to just be in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as that happened, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's right. That mm-hmm. was another kind of, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I watched the episode twice and it was doubly disappointing both times. Yeah. Because the thing is when he comes in and he sits, when Captain Metropolis comes in and sits at the dinner table and is talking to, uh, not Bass Reeves, or uh, Will yeah, Will Reeves uh, to Will Reeves and to June. Uh, and June is very much like, OK, I'm here talking, too. And they have that little conversation. That's a lovely character moment for her. I immediately know. I mean, huh, we've all seen this happen enough times. I immediately know that this dude is going to be that white person. Right. Who's very much like, you're my black friend. But uh.
0: two years ago, mm-hmm. I organized a, a get out watch party. Mm. And Soul and a number of black folks. Like it was around 30 folks came to watch oh, yeah, Out With that. Us. It was great. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the theater when, God, what's the main character's name? Was it was it Chris? I forgot his name. Yeah, Chris. You know, he's with uh, Rose and he's with the white family and there are things that would happen. Mm-hmm. And the black women exclusively in the audience would give this auto like, hmm mm-hmm. Because they know what's about to happen. They know what's up. They, exactly. they have that, that inkling like, no. Nah. Mm-hmm. And you could just see that on her face in this and mm-hmm. at that interaction.
1: Very much so. And it was on my face, too. I was just like, oh, no. I just knew it wasn't going to go to a good place. No, no, of course mm-hmm. not.
0: But, yeah, he, what he say? Your participation legitimizes the whole operation. But you must keep your identity a secret. Not everyone is as tolerable as I am. I'm the good one. Oh, God. You know, and then, you know, of course, what happens? uh, Mm -hmm. What did June say? They don't care about you. They only care about what you can do for them. Mm -hmm. Before all that, when she was encouraging him to be a vigilante, she said, you're not going to get justice with a badge and a gun. Mm -hmm. Just honestly, after hearing that quote alone, I wonder how many black officers who are watching this show currently Started to question themselves.
1: Yeah, there's something to be said because this show's caught a lot of fire for being pro cop, quote unquote. Not anymore, I don't think. No. I think, yeah, because I don't think it ever really was. But I think a lot of people were seeing it that way because there is such a strong emphasis on police participation in the show. Um, But yeah, with this episode, I think it's pretty clear that this show does not have a pro police message. No. Um, And that's going to be interesting because I'm pretty sure this one pinched some people where they lived.
0: I don't think it ever did i mean it showed cops being real fascists, just oh, taking I folks agree. off the street and oh, raiding yeah, I mean, whole communities exactly I mean, yeah can you imagine mm-hmm. if they didn't invade nixonville and it was like malcolmville
1: you know or like and, or like tulsa right, i mean <laughs> of course you know i agree yeah i don't think it was ever pro-police either but i think that a lot of people may have Went tried to way. tried to say it was in order to discredit the show i think there was a really strong um statement made in this particular episode about that. Now um that said, I think there's also a lot to be said for okay, how do I phrase this? So we have Will Reeves, aka Hooded Justice, the real Hooded Justice, mm-hmm. which begs the question, who's this person who they're putting up as Hooded Justice in this Television miniseries? And
0: who gave them the idea?
1: Who, yeah, who gave them the idea to yeah, and who so what I'm wondering is—is is there somebody else who then later replaces him as the the real quote-unquote hooded justice, some white person, and who is that? Because that's going to be, I think, hopefully, an interesting plot point that they're going to attach that they're going to approach later on. Sure. Because there's still the hooded justice mythology from the comic to to reckon with, right? And that was some white guy at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are we doing here? But anyway, um, the thing about Will Reeves, though, is that he he really has this, this burning desire, this rage that is motivating him to go and do something to fight, to fight against injustice in his community. And he allows himself to be talked into, and to some extent seduced into uh, joining a white organization that promises to fight for him if he fights for them. Right. And of course that doesn't happen. And I, my heart broke for him in the scene where he's on the phone begging him, you said you would help me. And there's just, it's, it's such a beautiful performance because there's that rage there. Yeah. But there's also very much like a broken, wounded little boy. Like, you know, you said you'd help. But you see that Tulsa boy, you know, who just, you know, has that, that notice. Please look after this boy and a baby standing in a field watching his community burn. You see that in it's that There's just, that just those ideals. Yeah.
0: I mean, you, mm-hmm. you slowly see the cracks. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, my heart broke when they, they revealed that. Bank advertisement of the white superhero catching the black person.
1: Yes, and he and he
0: had he was just like, oh my god, this is what I signed up for. Exactly, and he walked away like trying to get this off his face. Exactly, like, I can't do this. Exactly,
1: but at that point, he still does think that this is going to do something good for black people. Then he gets on the phone later on after uh, all well, of that happens. Wait, we
0: gotta, we gotta okay. cut, cut. You're right.
1: We'll we'll B- go back. That. But but go really, then let me make that the general point I'm mm-hmm. making. So I guess it just illustrates something interesting about, in a way, the dangers. Of letting yourself be diverted. There's that wonderful quote by Audre Lorde, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Mm-hmm. There's that whole point made here about letting yourself be diverted into other interests. Not that collaboration is a bad thing, but letting yourself be used with the promise of help later as leverage. That shit doesn't work historically. doesn't sure. work. Um, and it's an interesting... It's an interesting choice to include that here, and they did it so beautifully because I think a lot of us have felt that pain firsthand, of maybe having friends of a different race who whose issues you're really down with, and then it turns around that they don't have, that they don't have your back in the same way, or that they harbor anti-blackness, and you're the special one.
0: Or when push comes to, to shove, mm-hmm. they're not there for you.
1: Exactly, they're not going to fight with other people on your behalf. Even or men for you, women, right? Exactly, or you're and you're fighting for them. So or I mean, for I queer think. Rights. Yeah. Yeah, there, it goes in so many different ways. Sure. So I think that that's a very, again, an interesting point. But specifically in the context of this show, it's very much about blackness and anti-blackness. Absolutely. I mean, you can, that's part of what I'm saying. You can spread it out to queer whites, uh, gender rights, etc. But this show is about, is about blackness and anti-blackness.
0: The first crack is him getting almost hung by his own people that he thought were his people. Mm-hmm. Next crack is obviously seeing that bank advertisement and then he goes to the theater. Mm-hmm. What happened? Same thing that happens when you put too many animals in the same cage.
1: Ooh, True, yeah. And
0: I love how he was still deadpan. Like, it wasn't like he was reacting to that heart. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he goes in the theater. And even still, his reactions are still very cool and calm. He's still trying to hold on to some semblance of hope. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, that theater scene like with that that body was kind of just laid out in front of the screen like it was ugh, so gruesome jesus
1: and it was a rare it was a rare example of black suffering and black pain being used to illustrate a point that was uh both exploitative and informing the story like it was gross and horrible and awful to look at but it was also very much in that kind of sci-fi way where it's so far removed from reality that you don't feel it as personal, even though it's being used to illustrate a very real point. It's hard to do. So well done.
0: Other layers. Ooh. And let's get to this. Reeves was first inspired to be a part of the law and be a force for good in the theater mm-hmm. when his mom was playing there. Mm-hmm. His first time on the beat, his mom was playing his soundtrack mm-hmm. and then his mom was playing in that theater too. hmm and that's, from the story standpoint, the last time he was a part of the law.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point.
0: Oh, just, there's just so much. Mm-hmm. So, as you said, yeah, he goes to, uh, what did, what did Cap- Captain Metropolis say? You're going to have to solve black unrest on your own.
1: Yep. Oh. The pain of that. And, you know, I will say, I don't know that I'm necessarily convinced that he thought that the police were ever his people. I think he was suspicious the whole time. I think he had a pretty good idea that he was not going to be long, starting from his badge pinning ceremony. Um and then he was and the, the suspicious look he gets when he brings that white man in for to be booked right. and the white cops come and they make him kind of pay lip service, make an apology and then they go away and they do the little hand symbol. I think he's suspicious the whole time, but I also don't think he's expecting it to be as bad as it is.
0: I think that when he brought them in and mm-hmm. he made and that white cop made that guy apologize mm-hmm. I think he really thought he he really trusted them it was only after he saw him back out on the street mm-hmm. and then came to talk to that cop again like what happened like, like yo don't mm-hmm. don't bring this up here mm-hmm. that I think you know what I'm going to go back and say that was the first crack for him mm-hmm. but I think he really did trust them mm-hmm. in the beginning but yeah so right when he he kills that that market owner mm-hmm. throws the, throws his his uniform away his his hat down and puts on the hood I just the shot of him burning down the warehouse
1: okay, when he just coldly shot that market owner who is a despicable character and he kind of wanted him to get his the whole episode from the very first time you see him, yeah, but you don't know it's coming for him like that, yeah. Uh, I screamed. I screamed in my house. Like really? I was so shocked. I, again, this just, I, this show is always doing something I don't expect. And I'm not as I wasn't as caught up in the drama as you were. I think because I was trying to figure out where's this going to go, mm-hmm. how's this going to fit into the sure. mythology, what's happening next, what else did they change, who was Chinese in the, in the original Minutemen? I don't know. <laughs> you know, just like all these different things. But um, I wasn't expecting him to just because I'm still very aware that we are operating under the rules of segregated America. Mm-hmm. Uh, segregated pre-reparations Watchman America after the, with somebody who lived through the Tulsa massacre. I wasn't expecting him to do that.
0: See, interestingly, I saw that coming a mile away.
1: I didn't. I screamed. I, I was just... expecting him to do something. But, I mean, I was expecting him to maybe go beat them all again, but not to kill them all. That was something. And he was hitting those headshots like, man. I mean, <laughs> that was
0: interesting. He was like the... Mm-hmm. The John Wick of... Totally. Yeah, of, exactly. Uh, yeah. Again, that the shot of him watching the warehouse burn was, was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Even in black and white, right? hmm Yeah, comes, that's another
1: thing. Most of this episode... The cinematography was really good because gorgeous. most of this episode was in black and white. And I... It, So you know how Insecure gets all of these accolades over its lighting because it's actually really difficult to light black people well on screen and they do a very good job. They do a very good job here, too, because it's not only lighting black people on screen, but it's also lighting them in black and white and making it look still very rich and very full and very nuanced and not just very monochrome. That's a great point. So they did a really good job with this here. Great point. Because you very clearly understand who has different skin tones, for Mm -hmm. example.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So here's where we we get where Reeves comes home feeling accomplished, like I really made a difference. And then he catches his son trying to be like him. Mm-hmm. On that note, what do you think Angela's father was like? Because sometimes traits skip a generation. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really curious about if he maybe went he took up the mantle in the future or was he just a regular person and then Angela just kind of took her grandfather's pain and kind of passed over
1: well, I wonder about that because you know he ra- he he was in Vietnam long enough. F- well, before the war ended, long enough for it to become a state, and lived there long enough for Angela to have been born there mm-hmm. and raised there for a large amount of her life. So I do wonder what he was like. I wonder if we're going to see that actually, maybe. or maybe have her talk about it. Because here's the thing: Will Reeves clearly was nowhere around. Right. And as far as was, we know. yeah, and was well, <laughs> yeah. At least not discernibly, and was never really spoken of because Angela has no idea who he is. Sure. So when so when June says that they need to go away, you do kind of wonder: is there a stepfather somewhere, or what did she tell him about his father?
0: Well, the next episode, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, you know they, they kind of show little mm-hmm. previews. Yeah, I think it shows a lot of her time in Vietnam. I think it does. So hopefully, so it'll really, reveal yeah. some ab- bit about the father
1: definitely or you know just did he die in vietnam who knows you know there's so many things that could have happened but again this show's really good because it's not exactly on cliffhangers but it is on cliffhangers like they tell a complete story in each episode but they really want you to see where the story continues
0: as i said during our first review Mm -hmm. maybe the review of the second too they answer questions and even those answers are like hydrates it makes more questions to be asked later on
1: hydrates Oh Hydras, Hydras. Hydra. Sorry, hydrids. I'm sitting here like, what kind of eh? Yeah, no. I'm like, what kind of rim is that? I, no. no. <laughs> hydrids? Okay.
0: <laughs> so once June takes her son to, back to Tulsa, it cuts to Will holding the noose and mm-hmm. then it and then it, the transition to the older version holding it in the wheelchair watching. Mm-hmm. He's still fighting injustice yeah, yeah, yeah. in his old and age. And the fact that
1: he's using that technology he stole from he the KKK it. back in he the day. He modernized
0: and used it on them.
1: But and that's so authentic to the Watchmen mythology. Yes, like that immediately exactly. took you right back to the feel of the comic. That yes. was so well done.
0: Yes. And then what is what is old dude saying? I'm trying to fucking help you people. So it's like. Yeah. So it's like you really thought this white guy was cool in the first episode. And you're like, mm. why did he get hung? Even though it's like, even though you saw that Klan outfit, you're like, but well. Maybe
1: it was somebody else's? Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, maybe it was his wife's. I you're don't know. To, yeah.
0: you're, you're trying to.
1: Rationalize it. Yes. Because
0: mm-hmm. him and Angela had such a great relationship. Right. You're like, wow, maybe there's something else. But no. Yeah. No. He really is. That guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which, again, is a very. It's uh, my legacy, he exactly. said. Exactly. It's a very black fear you know because you really never know anybody's heart right and it's i don't think people understand i don't think in particular white people understand that it's not that we're not unfriendly necessarily uh, a lot of times there is just a suspicion because it's so painful to put the time and energy into befriending somebody and inviting them into your culture and then finding out and your, out, life, and your, your heart, life your heart your and then finding out that they are secretly some kind of racist now we're not saying you're all secretly members of the clan don't get me twisted i'm just saying that if even if you find out that somebody has even a small racist attitude. Well, well
0: don't, don't mm. like all lives matter.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even those small
0: things can break your yeah. heart.
1: I mean, really, gender rights are the bigger issue. Racism isn't that big of a deal anymore. You know, that kind of thing. It, that's so painful to understand, to have that kind of aspect of your, your reality invalidated right. by someone who you've chosen to love. Or care about in any kind of way or even just associate with casually is so painful. Yeah. And that was perfectly illustrated here because, again, Angela is the person who you see sitting in that chair making well, the decision to make him hang himself. Yeah,
0: she, she hands him the rope.
1: Exactly. She hands him the rope. And you can see, even though she's playing her grandfather, you can very clearly see that this is something that she is learning, that she needs to know. Now she knows what her friend is was.
0: And there wasn't a shock on her face when it cuts back to her. It was no, just well, a no. deadpan just like
1: Well yeah, because she was still her grandfather at the time. And that's when i really started to notice, oh wow, she really did the work on this this portrayal because that's Lou Gossett's uh Louis Gossett Jr.'s body language on right. Regina King and that's really good.
0: I I wrote some notes here. Agent Blake and, you know, the officers around were talking about how she could O D on this. Like they were they were so worried about her safety, mm-hmm. but could it be said that Angela was more resilient to ODing because their trauma was so similar?
1: It's very possible.
0: It wasn't so shocking for her because she's she's already been doing some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, and then there's also they they extract the drug from the brain of the person they take it from, and they're genetically related, so maybe that has also something true. to do with yeah, it too. Yeah, that's
0: a good point. That's a great point. So, yeah. So then, you know, once he hangs himself, you know, she's starting to get pulled out. And it cuts to her grandmother. Mm -hmm. And what does she say? I'm going to take you home now, honey. Mm -hmm. And then she pops out. And who's waiting for her?
1: Lady True.
0: Lady True.
1: How did she get there? How did Blake let that happen? Did she just get taken away? You do have so many questions when you see that. And you can see all of those questions on Angela's face like, oh, what? <laughs> right? Where's the grandfather? All of those questions. The next episode is going to be really interesting because they're either going to answer all those questions or they're just going to leave it and move on to the next bit.
0: Well it seemed like like I said, I didn't watch all of it. I really don't like to watch trailers for things that mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch anyway. Mm-hmm. But I saw Angela as a child. So so yeah. maybe her and Leah Chu have some history that maybe she didn't even know about.
1: Very possible, yeah. That's what
0: I'm that's what I'm I'm looking forward to seeing her Time in Vietnam, maybe with mm-hmm. her father, mm-hmm. and maybe Lady Lady True has some small role around. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe even what happens to her dad. Who knows?
1: Mm-hmm. Now I am concerned about one thing. There are nine episodes of this show for this season. This is episode six, am I right? I think so. Yes. Yes. So we've got three episodes left. This is two back-to-back episodes of Straight Memory. Is what it's looking like. It's gonna ha- is going to happen. Sorry, three back-to-back episodes that are heavily memory-based because the episode before this was Looking Glass's episode, explaining his origins mm-hmm. and everything. Even though it wasn't as much of his memories, it was mm-hmm. still very much about his past. Mm-hmm. Um, so that But means, it still advanced yeah. the story,
0: though. It will still advance the story.
1: Way. But they've got a lot to wrap up in two episodes. Now, here's what I don't want. I don't want a gigantic season-to-season cliffhanger where we still have crazy Adrian Veidt on the moon uh, we still have no idea what's going on there and they did give us that great teaser spoiler at the Hides very the beginning moon. yeah exactly <laughs> right we ha- they gave us that great teaser spoiler at the very beginning of the episode of that blue hand reaching out of nowhere to pick something up so how are we going to get there in three episodes this is my question especially if the next one is a lot of memories sure. we'll see what happens I'm still look Lost hurt me y'all I am still suspicious I'm I'm a lot less suspicious than I was. I do like this a lot. But they better make the story work, okay? They cannot drop another giant squid. That's not going to (laughs) happen.
0: Before we wrap up, I do want to go to this article. Okay. This is from a Huffington Post article. It's titled, Watchmen is a powerful exploration of black trauma and everyone needs to watch.
1: Mm. There was a similarly titled article on uh, Blurred.com, actually, that we should all read. I just It just came out, I think, earlier today, and I haven't okay. had time to read the whole thing. But check out the article on Blurred.com, too, y'all.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So I just want to read a couple of things from this article I thought, I thought were really powerful. Mm-hmm. So here we go. The series reimagines the 1986 graphic novel by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, Where the protagonist of that iteration fought against the threat of nuclear war with the Soviet Union, showrunner Damon Lindelof, I'm sorry, I said Daniel before, Damon Lindelof and executive producer Nicole Castle turned the focus of this version to race. That backdrop was immediately clear in the premiere in which Lindelof and Castle restaged the Tulsa Race Massacre when hundreds of black residents were killed in 1921 and Lindelof says on Instagram, To me, Watchmen is a story about America, and it's about self-proclaimed heroes fighting an intangible enemy that is almost impossible uh, impossible to defeat. In the 80s, that enemy was the pervasive threat of nuclear Armageddon between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. In 2019, that enemy is the long-overdue reckoning with our country's camouflaged history of white supremacy there's, there's one more here.
1: why that particular quote? why did that stand out to you so hard? Because I read the article there's a lot happening there, there there's yeah. a lot this mm-hmm. article's
0: great i mean there's there are more gems i want I want to dig into, but yeah, he talks about this thing that's impossible to defeat, and of course, we have in this episode six mm-hmm. this black man thought, if I can just join the force, I can work my way up through the system and change things for at least even just for my town.
1: Maybe. I don't know if he necessarily thought it through to that extent. I think it was part, and I think that that's another commentary on just the the idea of, of being in the police. Mm-hmm. I think there was certainly an aspect of that, but it was also a very um, accessible outlet for his
0: rage and his pain. So. Well, I don't know about that because you, you saw Will as a child watch mm-hmm. the movie, I forgot, I uh, trust in the law of the movie, mm-hmm. where he as a black, cop is getting respect and admiration from these white people Sure, and so maybe it's possible that he was seeking not only to protect his own people but mm-hmm. to also get respect for himself from his oppressors
1: possibly but again there's again that I think that has a lot to do with just it being I, there's other ways to do that the police mm-hmm. is a really particular choice
0: sure and
1: Especially since I mean, time-wise, where would this have been? The nineteen forties. Okay, so well, nineteen
0: thirty-nine because nineteen thirty-nine. Okay, end of the no, depression. No, no, I'm tripping. Yeah, yeah. nineteen thirty-eight because Superman first, the, the first right. comic of Superman okay. came out nineteen thirty-eight. So nineteen, yeah, so 38.
1: nineteen thirty-eight. So, 1938, so the end is of the Batman depression. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot just historically, just placing it in historical context. Yes, there is definitely that aspect of. Um, wanting to change the system from the inside out. But also, I think there was a lot of groundwork being laid for understanding that those systems do not work at the time. So, I think he, yeah. he had mm-hmm. to learn that because yeah. he was,
0: again, the, one of the first to like really join mm-hmm. the force. Slavery hap- happened re- pretty recently. So as you said, mm-hmm. groundwork for trying things out, mm-hmm. testing the boundaries and seeing like what you can and can't do.
1: Mm, yeah. And, I mean, just coming out of the... 1921 Tulsa massacre. I don't know. I'm I'm hesitant to ascribe only positive motivations to him. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I mean, there's also a serious I think there's also a serious aspect of just needing to work out things issues of his own pain and rage and wanting kind of a revenge. I mean, there's a reason he goes so incredibly ape shit on the clan when he sees them. It's it's a it's a personal motivation, not just a community motivation. But I mm-hmm.
0: I, th- I think had those cops really put that person away. Mm-hmm. I think he would have felt better about. But I think it was obviously seeing the Klan was was a visual stimulant, mm-hmm. but also you're seeing that what you worked so hard to be a part of mm-hmm. immediately betrayed you. Right. All that you've worked so hard for, mm-hmm. what inspired you on the screen, mm-hmm. and and then you've carried that with you. Mm-hmm. It's a soundtrack to you walking the beat, and then that that idea that mm-hmm. you've held on for so long mm-hmm. betrays you. Mm-hmm and it's in the form of these specific people. Of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could...
1: Yeah, well, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, these these characters are very nuanced. They have a sure. lot of interiority. Absolutely. And, which is a thing you don't see in black characters a lot of time. <clears throat> Green Book, worst movie in the world. Mm. Um, so, you know, you don't see a lot of interiority in black characters. And the fact that there are enough levels where we can talk about his motivations to this extent, in a situation where usually it is just like, slave owner bad black man good kind of motivations. Sure. I think is great and very groundbreaking and really well done. Sure.
0: in um, this article has talked about uh, June as kind of an, an avatar for Ida B. Wells, who mm-hmm. talked about black lynchings.
1: Okay, interesting. There
0: was actually like an Ida B. Wells poster there hanging was, in her yeah. house.
1: Okay, sure. I, I saw that in the article and I thought it was an interesting idea, but I also thought it was reaching a bit in terms of historical context. There were plenty of other people she could have been an avatar for, but I like the idea of letting June be her own person. And I thought that that was very clearly illustrated. She's very much not a, an archetype. She's just just a black woman who has a life of her own. I thought, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hmm. This
0: is almost like get out where, or us, I mean more, more so get out where it's really cool to read the analysis or Mm -hmm. hear them from, from com.
1: Very much so. And,
0: uh, and Blurred Up podcast. Yeah,
1: definitely. Subscribe. Yeah, please do. It's just, I wonder, I it's such a bold decision to make this season of Watchmen, which was very much about politics and, uh, well, uh, very different things. To make this whole season essentially about race in a lot of different ways. I wonder if this is something that's going to continue thematically through other seasons of the show. I wonder how if they're going to really wrap this up as a theme here and then continue. I'm very curious where this is going. Um,
0: they could have easily Iron Man'd it, where you know mm-hmm. the the first Iron Man comic book he was in Vietnam trying to you know sell his tech or whatever got right. messed up, and mm-hmm. then in 2008
1: mm-hmm. he was
0: in Afghanistan. Right. right? Yeah. They could have easily oh there's new threats of war with Russia again because we are you mm-hmm. know yeah or there's problems in the Middle East. They could have easily just. Biased, it. Exactly. They, as but, you said, yeah. very bold choice.
1: Yeah, they did. And they really decided to go in a completely new di- direction that's very true to the spirit of the original book, but is just so different and so timely and so very socially aware. Um, and the fact that they've got one of the original writers on board, I mean, not Alan Moore, because he's somewhere...
0: Voting for Corbyn.
1: Uh, no. Well, yeah, he is voting for Corbyn. You're right. But also he's, you know, I don't know, collecting mushrooms for his witch's brew. Right. But whatever he is, he does. But... um yeah, it's just really interesting to see how they've done this. It's a very bold choice. It's a very hopeful choice. It gives me good feelings about the future of art. Uh you we talked earlier this year about the idea of status quo rap and I think that if we even if we have some more status quo rap or status quo TV is is becoming less of a thing, which is interesting. I kind of thought the golden age of TV was coming to a close, but we're still going strong here.
0: What a way to close out the decade.
1: Yeah. I don't know I don't know what to think and I don't know where it's going and I like that feeling <laughs> yeah yeah
0: alright y'all well that wraps up our show please let us know how you feel mm-hmm. about The Washman did you call any of this stuff out what do you think is going to happen in the future what do you think of our of our analysis please follow us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P we're also on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U we're also on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P check us out also on Blur.com mm-hmm and we're also, of course, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe and give us a review. We got a couple more reviews on Apple Podcasts. Everyone's still giving us oh, nice. sterling reviews. We appreciate that. Woo-hoo. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, y'all.
1: DM me, Eric. <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't get no DMs. That's cool, though. You know, whatever. I'm, I'm not salty.
1: Yeah, you are. You just, yeah. You, you corned beef over there. All right.
0: Peace. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>